markets are going to be changing somewhat soon. But That's pretty interesting. Okay. Bitcoin gives me like a peace of mind knowing that there's that consistent, like traceable mathematical change in supply. Welcome back to another week of Sometimes Crypto. The unscripted crypto Thank podcast. you, man. It's exciting. Yeah. And we have another very special guest. Thank you. So Thank you want to yeah, you yeah, introduce you? yourself? Yeah, my name is Mario. I um, do software, Web3, digital ads. And uh, I've been in crypto for about six years now. So Nice. Yeah. Wow. Been a minute. It's been a minute, yeah. A long journey. I remember like uh, Verge and Tron back in the day. So how did you start? How, what got you to get in? I would say um, just wanting to make more money. You know, just Fair. having like an avenue to like make money, produce some ROI. Okay. You yeah. you trade? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, you said uh, you did like software development. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you get into that? Was that what got you into crypto? No, that was after. That was after. So I'm crypto. like more of an economist. Okay. By trade, and then like uh, learning software as I go along. You know. I see. You studied uh, economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Econ and finance. Econ and finance. Yep. Cool. Um, you. Well, you want to talk a little bit about like your studies? Uh, sure. Um, so I went to AU, which is in DC, which is an Amer- American university. I don't mm. know if you guys have heard about it. AU. I think I visited it once, uh, uh, with my friends from college. We did a mm. spring break trip over there. Yeah. And UM? They, uh, no, uh, Orlando, UCF. Nice. Uh, and they had a friend that was going to college over there in DC. And I think it might've been AU. I don't remember specific, but it was, I do remember it being a pretty nice campus. Yeah. It's a college town almost small right au is smaller yeah. mm-hmm. um and then it's like g town gw and uh howard okay you know so it's like a lot of like students over there mm. okay gotcha everyone's mm-hmm. studying like poli sci yeah it sounds, um, about right. <laughs> sounds about dc right. and uh what's the other one ir so international relations oh okay yeah and Makes business sense. you know business ir and i'd say like like policy policy yeah for sure like that's a type of school where like um like i remember in my first like ir class Mm -hmm. it was like a politics class actually but um the question was like what do you want to do you know when you grow up or what do you want to be and everybody said they wanted to be president of the u.s it's like 20 people straight (laughs) yeah I was just like, okay, like chances are pretty slim. If everybody, everybody's gonna win. Everyone, <laughs> we can't all be president at once now, guys. Yeah, it's one, it's one, it's four years, one yeah. person. But that's cool, you know. That's how it is. Like AU is like um, super politics and uh, and also like social stuff, you know. Like so. Okay. So we think about you know our politics now. Fun stuff, huh? I try to stay out of it, really. It's like it's fair enough. enough. But I mean, I'm down to talk about it. It's not. It's not oh, a, I meant it more uh, so just because in terms of like the finance side, because we had the debt ceiling that was just raised. 
the SEC and yeah. Coinbase cracking down on well, SEC cracking down on Coinbase and Binance. That's affected the markets too. Yeah, of course. So yeah, no, I see. Um, I see it a little bit differently. You know, not that I'm not saying like. Uh, I but I'm saying I think those news that you see, like mm-hmm. uh, SEC suing Coinbase or Binance yeah. and or Binance, whatever. Um, you know, this is controversial, but I just see it as more like the, the them coloring the story after it's already happened, you know, uh, as in like, because like, you know, trading mm-hmm. is algorithmic. Yeah. Like the markets are purely algorithmic, like 75% of them. And they're all bots doing the trade and, and executing the, the calls and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so when I see those news and I'm like, I just don't. You know, do we have hard evidence that it actually affected the price? And do we have, like, the convexity in that curve? Like, how much, you know, of course there's sentiment, you know. I'm, I, okay. You know. Well, but I, I feel like the price was going to go to 15K, mm-hmm. like the BTC price. Um, was going to go or because it, it has hit 15K? Yeah, yeah. He's, did, talking yes. about, he's talking about when okay. it did hit the 15. Okay. Correct. My mm-hmm. initial call mm-hmm. was uh, 13 you know, mm. 12. I thought it was going to be 12 or 13. Okay. Just because I calculated a 90% drop from the top, you know, which we've had. Which is, it does it, right? After every happening, more or less? More. Mm, more it's so. happened once. Like in... Um, 2017? In 20... I believe in 2011. Mm. That was back in the day. I mean, the market yeah, was, that was like yeah. much totally immature, mm. right? Mm. Um, but it went from... 300 to 3. Oh, wow. Or something like that. Yes. So it's like a 95% drop. drop. Yeah. You know? Uh, don't quote me on those numbers. I believe it's yeah, like 3 or good. 4, and it was like <clears throat> 299. Yeah. You know, like, it's like round of course. <clears throat> um, so that's what I thought. You know, back then it was like totally, well, you know, people were mining it with a CPU. You know, you can yeah, mine yeah. it with okay, a You can mine it with the current 50, 50 BTC blocks. Yeah. With that that's true. Now that's you true. can't even get close yeah to yeah exactly 100 so you want to like tilt it up just a little bit so that if it wants to stay up because it's a little cool there yeah yeah cool good yeah the mining uh uh mining reward gets cut down every about four years every, uh, it's every what, four every years two thousand right? uh two two hundred ten thousand blocks is it yeah um and that's coming up around next year so markets are going to be changing s- somewhat soon or, or at least within that period or, or slightly after uh, mm-hmm. because of supply chains uh, supply change sure and uh, I don't know I think uh, that accountability in the change in which uh, the amount of like Bitcoin is available within the market helps make businesses account for their finances a little bit easier i don't know correct me if i'm wrong on this but that's pretty interesting okay it's knowing that like oh after every certain amount of blocks like there will be a a shorter amount being uh pumped into the market over time Mm -hmm. um versus what we have now with the fiat system where it's like infinite inflation but not only is it infinite it's unpredictable somewhat yeah sentiments can change like uh certain like international policies might take place and one like one government yeah. might say oh you know what time to either slash zeros or add extra zeros into circulation yep yep 
Um, so, yeah. so on that end, like I think uh, for me personally, Bitcoin gives me like a, a peace of mind knowing that there's that consistent, like traceable mathematical uh, change in supply. Totally, totally like, agree. Like from like uh, from like my understanding of like an economy, mm-hmm. like economics, like higher lower supply and the same demand like equals price up price up yeah correct no no that's like the the only thing that matters for price supply and demand Mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah there's like that gives me thinking about a lot of stuff you know because um but yeah yeah go ahead go ahead no we'll get into this later yeah i want to talk about more like other stuff like ethereum stuff yeah touch on it but no i just i was thinking like um it's a common mm-hmm. misconception I, I, that I see a lot. Okay. Um, that a lot of people think BTC is deflationary. Not that you you didn't assume that. I'm just saying, like, because it's like there's less and less being produced, right, over time. Mm-hmm. So the curve is like this, right? Yeah, correct. Or whatever. And whatever. amounts of yeah. supply coming into the market. Yeah. But it's still coming into the market, right? Mm-hmm. So there's still inflation in BTC. It's just mm-hmm. that it's a decreasing inflation over time. I guess I'm not saying it's bad. I'm no, just, no. I'm just making a distinction between uh, because they use the, the people use the word deflationary. Mm-hmm. The only one that's truly deflationary is among amongst the high caps, the the, the blue chip. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not going to talk about some coin in the Ethereum with the burning. Ethereum is now deflationary because. after the upgrade they made. But what in, don't they have still um, high high amount of production though? Like more Ethereum is still created and going into the market. Don't quote, I'm not 100. percent No, that's asking. that's totally fair. Um, <clears throat> no, it's not as far as I know. Okay. And we can go to the website. It's um, um, ultrasound dot money, and there Ooh, you can see the inflation curve which is actually deflationary, meaning they are actually taking coins and burning them, so mm-hmm. removing them from circulation. From circulation. You know? Um, so you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, even... Well, I mean, the juxtaposition is obvious here, right? But, you know, I'm not saying it's better. It's we just, uh, say, it's exciting, you know? We, if we you can say own BTC ether, sucks. <laughs> we can say it here. <laughs> we can say that. We can say it strong. If yeah. you want to uh, say it, we can say it. Say it with your heart. We're not in Winwood. All right. <laughs> <laughs> No Max is gonna come and get you. I promise. <laughs> well, maybe he might. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> Scare them, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> no we're we're pro uh, opinions. Uh, I'm pro whatever floats our boats. No, no. I was just, <clears throat> you know, it, it's just honestly exciting to have a a coin that is deflationary because yeah. that because before this year that wasn't really a thing, you know. So th- what makes Ethereum deflationary is the fact that it's burning more than what's going into circ- into supply. Yes, they're right? also minting. Uh-huh. They're also producing more. Okay, they're also produ- they're producing mm. some mm. and they're burning some. Yeah, but the amount that they burn is it's, it's higher, higher than, higher than the amount they produce. So therefore, as time goes on, there's less and less and less. So now, wouldn't the argument mm. for BTC be just that at one point it will become deflationary because at one point there will be no more coming into that's production? What I, that's what I was gonna say. Totally. And then at that yeah. point, at that th- point, it's only twenty one million. It's only but that's gonna be until twenty forty. Oh, yeah, so no twenty one hundred forty. So yeah, far out twenty one forty. Wow, yeah. I was I was yeah, so off. You're a little like, short, but it's okay. Fifty yeah. years. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's actually a hundred. No one's yeah. gonna remember. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. at, at the end of the peak is gonna be like only like a couple BT. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, the part that I got I thought was interesting was the 
uh, amount of blocks that it takes before that happening. Because I, I knew that there was a certain amount, but I always chopped it up to four years because everyone was like, it's easier to think of years than blocks. Of but course. then when I realized that the blocks was uh, 210,000, um, it was like divisible by the 2.1, like 21 million. Correct. So That's then the I was point, like, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so because, everybody needs to have one Bitcoin. <laughs> so like at the end, at the end of the the uh happenings like when there's still a reward for the the, like the coin base um it is going to be the last the last reward is going to be one satoshi mm. so people are going to be yeah, fighting over one satoshi to mint the blocks yeah granted um i think they're uh, they have like a tipping mechanism um for trying to get your transaction in on certain blocks faster correct um, it's like a first in basically mm-hmm, yeah exactly yeah um, mm-hmm. So there's not just it's not these miners aren't going to be working strictly for that one satoshi. They're also going to be working for the fees that come from, of course, from that. But like yeah, what I what I was thinking when when you brought up the, about the deflationary asset thing mm-hmm. uh, was that at some point there will be no more um, Bitcoin being minted, um, and at, I would assume at that point it would be a deflationary asset. Up mm. until then, it won't be. Yeah, correct. Well, at that point, yeah. At that point, there's no inflation at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's neither deflationary nor inflationary. Well, actually, um, you know, there are like lost coins, right? Those are confiscated coins. No, I mean well, like some of them are lost. People f- lose their seed phrases. Yeah. So at that yeah. point, those wallets will never be accessed again. Correct. Theoretically, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know so, what percentage that is of all BTC? So last I'm just number, curious. Oh, not, last, last not that anybody should know that. Like, last right now? Last yeah. number I saw was like 5 million or like between 4 and 5 million. What? Nine, uh, wait, I wait, was, wait, wait. $5 million? Or no, fi- no, no. 5 million BTC? So for me, no way. Well, the, number, the, number that I, the number that yeah. I saw was about uh, 3 million lost. 3 million total? 3 million total. I don't believe that, man. Yeah, like, n- or ha- yeah, so, uh, so like that, 19, 20. That's like you telling me basically like... Twenty percent of the U.S. dollar supply is lost. Of the U.S. dollar supply, I'm just saying, like you know, five million BTC. That's like twenty percent of the whole BTC supply. Um. Yeah. You know? So it's a good. It's a good chunk of BTC that's it's, missing. I, I think it's like Correct. a ridiculous. But the amount, reason, really. the reason why it's so high. Granted, I, he's looking for the number now. But I wonder what the, gets aggregated. There, so right? the reason, yeah. So part of it would be numbers. Twenty percent has been lost already. No way. So part of the reason why that's that would likely change. of all Bitcoin is lost, un, un, unrecoverable. Study unrecoverable. Shows. Well, so not confiscated, not but confiscated. the private the private C has been you've lost misplaced. lost you lost access to where it's been stored. Bro, I'm having I have, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying like that's I have a, a hard time believing. So, that. I don't think that's a number. I get so you. the reason why that's like that's like twenty percent twenty percent of all the monetary supply yeah, is. You inaccessible have, you have to remember at like, the beginning when bitcoin first came out the yeah. coinbase was 50 50 bitcoin and it was easy yeah, to mine 50 so BTC blocks exactly. when you solo mining so then a lot of people were just stacked up and lost their hard drives with their seed phrases on correct them. that's it so imagine w- yeah. just 10 people losing 10, 50, a yeah. thousand <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. In, like no, that. 10 thousand yeah, 10, 000, bitcoin they yeah fucked it up for the rest of us yeah well, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say they, they messed it up, um, but more so that the um, total circulating supply has decreased. So it's, at least from what I've heard, people call it like a, a community donation. Since there's less supply in the network, sure, everyone else's Bitcoin goes up in value. 
Also, that doesn't. I don't think that's not including the amount of Bitcoin that has been sent to the Genesis block. Oh, Name I forgot. To the, 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 the Satoshi wallet. The, the Satoshi wallet. wallet. Yeah. They're still yeah. sending it over there too. Just yeah. With messages. That's just, did that move recently? There was no. some news about that moving or something. No, I don't. No, I guess no, when I that when that moves is going to be like a huge deal. If, no, that moves, if that were to happen, like. The sky is falling. That, I, I don't know if the sky is falling. Not the sky yeah, is falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'd be, it'd be headlining everywhere. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Satoshi hasn't touched that wallet, so. He probably lost the seed phrase, too. So who's Satoshi? Because I have a couple of uh, ideas. Theories. I have zero theories yeah. for this. I, I, I generally think I think Satoshi might be... A, a person for sure, but a group, an aggregate group. Oh, I was going to say aliens. <laughs> I'll say multiple countries, but aliens works too. Could be. Sorry for interrupting. No, you're good. You I got that. my thought out. I said multiple countries. Like it's a group of multiple countries that did it, but not working for the country. Oh, like 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 just individuals in just the around the world. Oh, okay. So it's not not the kind of special interest group. No, associated Correct. with the. That's why I think. Okay, just that's the, fair. The cipher. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's uh, anonymous. They did it. But it's pseudonymous. Fair. (laughs) But my point is, like, yeah, I think the conversation should start with the algorithm. You know? Itself? Mm SHA-256, which comes from SHA-250. That's from the NSA. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm not saying they made it. I'm just saying, like, you know. They piggybacked off their... Um, Yeah, so there's got to be some level of, you know, they use that technology, so... So you think someone who was helped, group who helped the, or some group, or you, you said a group of people? I think it's a group of people. So a it can't be one guy. Yeah. yeah, it's just that seems someone who had information on the development of SHA two fifty. Do you said two fifty? Well, it's based on that, so it's mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. So yeah. Um, group makes sense. Were they in the U.S.? Maybe not. You know, maybe in the U.K. I don't know. Who knows? They were using the, like how the paper, the white paper is written. Mm-hmm. They were using a typewriter, I believe, because they were leaving the space. Something I read about that. I didn't know. I, didn't, I don't know anything about that. That's interesting. It's so like you can you can tell what kind of machine was being used essentially because of the spacing. You know. Interesting. He did not reveal the time the time of day, so that's that makes it harder to pinpoint. But because if it was a digital document, then it would be time stamped with who created it when it was created yeah um the mac address it would throw back yeah definitely interesting Mm -hmm. so satoshi group of people i don't know that's what i think that makes the most sense though one guy is just probably one guy had the idea he's like i can't do this by myself calls people has you have to call people in Mm -hmm. make the most amount of sense Mm mm-hmm so I have this website, um, the ultrasound dot money. What open. do we want to do with that? I forgot. They also chart the what's that? What do we want to do with that again? Uh, well, he talked about it. And we're talking about like how um, uh, deflationary. The de- yeah, how ETH is deflationary, mm-hmm. and they also, if you pull down, if you scroll down, they have a BTC uh, line chart as well. So they compare. They they give you three. They give you Ethereum pre. Proof of stake, post proof of stake, or what it is now, yeah. and BTC. So you can see like the inflation rate of each. Okay. You know. Um, so this page is bigger than I anticipated it to be. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was just going to be this one little like interface right there but no mm -hmm. you're right uh projections and total supply like equilibrium um each supply two-year projection burn rate um currently burning uh, burned a total of 15,257 ETH in the past seven days mm -hmm. that's crazy uh, does the sandwich is producing yeah at the very top so it says uh ish so burn ETH per year is at 796,000 ETH per year. Mm -hmm. And the issuance is 712,000 ETH per year. Okay. So there's a slight margin there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there's about 40. Yeah, there's a little bit of gift. Mm -hmm. um, 40,000 ETH. So it's a slow burn. Slow burn, yeah. That's all good burns are. Right? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to burn like <laughs> tanky swap style. <laughs> um. Speaking about pancake swap, I saw today that I think they changed to V4, like a new version. Oh, really? Yeah. I wasn't aware. Yeah. I mean, honestly, bro, um, they've been at the forefront. Like, they've been innovating since day one. You know, I love pancake swap. Um, you know, like back in the day, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I still remember when I first used Uniswap. Oh, my bad. I don't mean to take the conversation. No, 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 you know, no my bad. I don't know what you're talking about. It was Uniswap. But not pancake. Oh, V four. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. My bad. Uniswap. Bro, I feel like I need to go to my computer right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. As, as I was saying, like when I first used Uniswap, it seemed like such a weird primitive, you know? Mm -hmm. Because and the reason why I used it, that was like back in 2018 or 2019 when it first came out. Basically, you did a lot of DeFi stuff, right? No, I mean not a lot, but some, okay. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean yeah. yeah. Um, but. It was because of this coin called Hex. I've heard of it. It's just currently popular. Yeah. and But back in the day, it was totally underground. Totally underground. Yeah. So the only way to get it, it was not on the market. The only way to get it was you went to this lobby. It was like a dashboard. Clicked in with your MetaMask, went to this lobby, and then pulled out your your Hex. Okay. You know, And then when once you had it, you could trade it on Uniswap. It's the only place where you could trade it. You know, I mean, I guess you could go to like another like whatever. What was the the one exchange back in the day? Ether Delta or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I was just gonna say like that was why I used Uniswap for the first time. It was random. It's just like, oh, how do I trade this new coin I have? There it is. Yeah, only way. No KYC. No, um, I don't have to give them my email. I don't have to give them my name. Nothing. It's just a MetaMask. You know, just a just a private public key. And uh, but yeah, it's cool. It's you know back in the day it had um, only market orders. Hex. Oh, Uniswap. Uniswap. Yeah, it was like sell by market spot. You know? Yeah. Then they added um, limit orders. You know, and then they had um, pools for farming. For farming. And they were the first ones, and then uh, Pancake Swap added pools for farming that were like uh single-sided i believe so you don't because back in the day you had to provide both sides of the pair so if, if you're mm -hmm. liquid if you're being an lp like a liquidity provider on eth die you need both eth and die yeah, and then that. i believe it was sushi or pancake who did the who made the smart contract where you can only provide you only need to provide you one one yeah which is a big deal really you know because you, you're not holding the other one so you're not exposed to that risk yeah, you're only exposed to risk on the one side. Right. And you can still use the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. 100%. On top of that Hex uh, comment you said, they're coming out, they're releasing the Pulse Chain now. Pulse Chain, I'm huge into Pulse, man. For I love it. it. I love it, yeah. Um, Which I don't know when it was set to come out, but I do, what's I do up think it's being released. What's up with the Pulse Chain? It was released like a week ago. Yeah. Like it's very new, man. New stuff. Um, breaking. 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 Yeah. News. Yeah, I mean, do you know how Pulse Pulse took a while, man? It, That's what we've, I heard. we've been waiting for like two years. It's crazy. It's like actually crazy. Yeah, that's, that is a long time. Um, but do you guys want to hear how it was? Uh, yeah, go for uh, it. I, I don't know much about Pulse, so I'm all in. Yeah, so the the launch was interesting. You know, it was like in, uh, a bit innovative. So instead of you depositing money onto a wallet like an ICO, or like you know whatever it is. Um, you would it's it's called a sacrifice mm-hmm. phase. So basically, sacrificing money or anything is a protected uh, right. You yeah. know, it's like a, you're saying like you know you're giving it up. Yeah, you're giving it up, and nobody can tell you otherwise. You know, that's like a protected right of any not not only in this country but like really anywhere. Yeah. Um, it's 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 speech, essentially. You know, in a way. Um. And so you had to send your coins. You could sacrifice ether, a bunch of coins, to this wallet, and based on your sacrifice, you have a certain number of points assigned to your to your MetaMask, basically. So that that's that's you know that's a drawback is like if you lose that MetaMask you that you sacrifice, you lost your sacrifice. Yeah. So then, based on those points, people get airdropped the token, which is I think it's a better launching mechanism than your average ICO because yeah that's that's there's issues with that now yeah yeah exactly <clears throat> mm-hmm. so the sacrifices had like a, a tier system like if you sacrifice more you'd be issued more hex correct yeah well that was I'm talking about pulse chain right now pulse but, oh, but hex was actually the same way actually hex was a lobby it was like a it was a it's called a hex lobby and you actually like uh I think you just, I, you just bought it, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. For Pulse. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did mm-hmm. um, the different coins I had different rewards, right? Or something like that? Uh, for Hex? For Pulse Chain. Because I think, because what I, what I saw was that a lot of people were burning Hex mm-hmm. to get the whatever token was being released with Pulse. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think if so, you burned the Hex, you were given high rewards for it. I'm not 100% on that. But there's so much going on in that ecosystem. So, it's like Yeah, I was going to ask, well, what is that chain used for mostly? So basically, Pulse. So bas- let me explain Hex.
So yeah, so programmers, you know, they went from being um, incredibly like irreplaceable, really, mm-hmm. right back in the net, like back when the dot net started, to now. You know, it kind of it kind of went like this, like they had a peak, like in twenty eighteen, where like it was like you know, like rise of the programmers, but now. With all these like temp- all these templated and you know open Zeppelin and uh, you know they got too easy. Like <laughs> interesting. That's an interesting word. I mean, I wouldn't say it's still super hard, but it's replaceable. How do you? you know, there's like where's the? There's more access to tools and uh, documentation. And also the, the 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 biz the business of it. You know, it's like. Um, I think it's more important to have like an architect that understands like the the end game, you know, like the product market fit. Like, does this have has does this have a fit in the market? And you know, how do you build this for the market in the most efficient? Yeah, the economics of it as well. Um, but my point is like, I don't want to devalue. Per- they're still super important, obviously, right? They're if actually value them. We can devalue them. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, cool. we'll, it's okay. We'll hate on cool. it. Cool. Cool. No, I just think it's a. I think it's a. It's a. It's just as important, you mm-hmm. know, but it's more replaceable now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the right, and also AI, of course. Mm-hmm. Now you have like prompt engineers who don't necessarily know a language, but with the with the right prompt, you can just have translate it. it. Yeah, you know. And if you know what you're doing in terms of code architecture, you can say, okay, I know. You know, I don't know this language, but I know that this should work this way you know so okay so i think the whole the whole like developer entrepreneur thing kind of died you know it had a peak back in like you know for a a little while but now it's like you know it's like now we really it's more about like the person at the top really knowing what needs to be built because everything has been built already you know you have like tons of automated market makers you know yeah smart contracts um, all kinds of wallet primitives so it's really about like taking what's already built and like deploying it properly you know? yeah that's my take so okay so we don't have um so i so you said the word replaceable I wouldn't, so they're not maybe not as replaceable but more so we don't need as many new ones you can just work with what we got essentially um sure yeah. Because if you still well, need the still, to, there's still new. We still need more, is the thing. Because we're building more and more tech, mm-hmm. but their roles can there's, be. There's gonna be more specialization. I would, I would think. Um, Less specialization, no? Because now one person can do more things using AI. Just simply, you know, true. I, I think more specialized, but too. but like the idea, of like really understanding a concept isn't gonna like that's not gonna get easier um at least oh, we have various for various it. concepts it's not gonna get easier i i don't know okay so i don't i guess i might be mis- misspeaking but mm-hmm. to become like like a master of like the of a specific concept like let's say encryption correct you gotta really study and practice it and like understand it if you're busy making smart contracts for AMAs, uh, uh, automatic mar- money makers, right? AMMs, my bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then you won't be 
fully focused on, on encryption. the encryption stuff. Correct. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Correct. Right? But where I would say that where in back in the day, mm-hmm. it would take you five ten thousand hours to be a pro in encryption. Now it can take you two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sure. probably get so you can faster. so you can do encryption and the other. I'm, you mm. know, no, it's also like, true. Yeah, yeah. It, it's also like the, specialization is also good. You know, obviously, like the, abil- the ability to become a jack of all trades is getting higher. It's f- never been yeah easier. easier. Not that not that it's easy, but it's never been easier, right? Yeah, less friction. Less friction. But like at the same time, someone could just become uh, much more specialized, much quicker, and therefore create more advancements in that one specialization. You're right. You're right. Yep. Because the ease of information is so available and the tools to generate new thoughts and ideas and like test them is so easily accessible, the ability to like there's learn gonna, to learn new information. Yeah. There's gonna be like more depth. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So that's why like, the, the only say, thing I would push back is just, you know, for Yeah, for sure. Discussion. Argument's sake. Yeah. I would say that most of what you're working with has been already built by these big players you know because mm-hmm. if you think about all the ai stuff that's going on all the all the gpt yeah it's all from one database it's open ai's api yeah that everybody is deploying and then they use their other api to fine-tune the machine because i was about to say that it's funny how we went from having no ai systems or no chatbots to everyone and their yeah. grandma having their own personalized <laughs> chatbot being released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you can you can do them. There's this uh, website. It's like Pionex, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you use it. It's like a U.S. Have, uh, base, so you it. can use it. It's like totally regulated. Um, you, they actually give you the templates to build your own bot. You can just like write, and then the logic will build whatever bot that. So go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. I was just saying, you're right. It's like we went from like basically. Oh, building a trading bot was like pretty hard. Now it's like, you know. Well, I didn't even mean a trading uh, a trading bot in its own. I meant like we went from having just one reply chat GPT style AI system that could reply to you long oh, form whatever. Yeah. So now Google came out with one in a couple of weeks. Bing, well, Bing bought their own, and then there's other companies. Bard. Bard. Yep. Yep. Everyone's releasing their own out of like within months of each other. Correct. Correct. It's out. Yeah. Like yeah, the, yeah. the amount of um. Photo generating AIs, like oh yeah, like would start with like yeah. that's the uh, Stable Diffusion mm-hmm. API. I've not heard of this. Yeah, so Stable Diffusion API is what what OpenAI is to uh, mm-hmm. chat, you know, yeah. interaction language models. Correct. That is to text to image. Oh. So so basically, you know how there's these flashcards. I forget this. It's this app that mm-hmm. like it's like a learning app. All they did, if you if you log into the website, I think it's like Quizlet.com. No, Quizlet. Oh. Okay. If yeah. you log into the website, you have no idea, but they're just using OpenAI's API. You know, really? To generate the answers for their... Correct. And they're fine-tuning the logic that answers those things using OpenAI's other API. So they're not really bringing anything new to the table. It's a white label. It's Quizlet. a white labeling. Quizlet's white labeling but, uh, but, flashcards. Yes. But yeah, funny, but that's genius because <laughs> no, no, it's, it's because you can't do it any other way. Try building a language model by yourself; it's impossible. Yeah, no, yeah. I know costs an absurd. <laughs> yeah, and you won't get anywhere. Is the thing, um, and then Snapchat also doing the same thing with uh, their with their chatbot that they released too. It's Open API, Open AI's API. Okay. Oh, I don't. Well. Know, the thing is, I I don't understand the purpose of some of them. Like they're like, just basically 
taking the big ass learning model mm. and segmenting it for a niche markets markets essentially that's basically but it's also it's also it's segmentation but it's also aggregation within a within a specific parameter you know like if you're into cats you want to fine-tune that model for specifically cats. for cats yeah. you know so i'm assuming it's also going it's not just the information they're going to be providing but also the information and things you're going to be asking it it's also saving it Correct. So it's gonna get it's specializing whatever I like cats, what type of cats, all that, mm -hmm. and it's fine tuning it. What can possibly be asked? Yeah. To produce yeah. the best result. Correct. To another degree, mm -hmm. on, on another end. One of the one of the parameters you can give it is don't talk about anything other than cats, right? That makes it pretty niche right there. Like, yeah. You know, if you think about it, it explores all the possibilities like it would have on that one specific niche. Mm-hmm. So fun. These are. Uh, uh, this uh, these models they learn as we use them because you're importing the data now you, the, everything that you're asking it it's gonna it's saving it it's going this is one reference to this answer i gave mm -hmm. but the most important thing is the prompt yeah. that you give it you know because um it's like really the prompt is what makes the the model yeah you know like you're i mean you already have like prompt engineers nowadays that that's their For whole that. That's their whole job, like using a little bit of Python to design the best automated prompt, you know, or even just, you know, just regular writing, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you could, that's the main thing I saw. Is not, probably all language-based models are the same, but the more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Elaborate. The more specific the prompt, the Correct. better result's going to come out. Oh, yeah. I, Night and day. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, it's like the same model could give you something that's worthless or something that's like genius yeah. based on the prompt you know so it's like not that it's not the, the the model is the model is the model you know yeah um goes for everything so right? writing and everything yeah. isn't it a little worrisome uh oh that, yeah i mean it's one model that's being used versus that was another models. thing that i uh yeah you're right it's like uh who is creating the, the this database right and we know who it is. It's oh, OpenAI. OpenAI in this yeah. in this case, and they have policies, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. And right. when you type something, they say, "Be careful." You know, you should not type this. You should uh, respect this and this and this. Yeah, and it's, that's this cool. Way. That's great. I love it. But what if you know it's not appropriate? You know? But go ahead. Or it also could push certain agendas. Or yes, that's a whole yeah. So, yes, uh, it, it could, and I think it will. That's actually, I think it does. <laughs> yes, of course. I think it does. So <laughs> already. That's, that's yeah. actually like when I first started hearing about ChatGPT and like when it came out and it was like all the rave, I actually yeah. didn't use it that much. Yeah. Uh, what I did more was read Reddit. And I was just saying, oh, because I felt like, oh, I'm one person. I could have so many thoughts, but like everyone on Reddit is going to be posting whatever they thought of. And I feel like the, the well of knowledge there is just so much vaster than whatever I could come up with in whatever short period of time. And the prompts right. that people were generating were like, I was like, wow, like these people are thinking out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just cool seeing all those people write different things and the, getting the different responses at the time. Um, and a lot of them were talking about how, being the fact that it is one central database, that uh, it is biased or that it can be biased. Yeah, and the thing is, like, um, 
you know that's that's never been a good model when you have something that's like a it's like a monolith mm-hmm. yeah it's never really worked you know isn't that kind of why blockchains exist now like decentralizing certain powers like in this particular case for ai is knowledge or it's data information um that's a good question like these are two very new emerging technologies uh, i'm talking about like blockchain and artificial intelligence correct and the implications that this has for society in the future is going to yeah. be dramatic like, i think yeah i think everything leads to the same point which is a stripping of our of our autonomy not fully but i think that will be necessary you know because of all the information we can compile ourselves we kind of have to be throttled back as individuals for the for the good of the of the community you know of the of the model of the whole yeah so i think i mean we've seen this going on as time goes on you know like there's like more surveillance now than ever well Um, isn't the whole thing that your phone's always listening to you even if it's off yeah well I don't, yeah, because it, it does have accelerometers, right? You know, that are built in there, and there's no stopping those. So, but also the phone is also a tool for tar- for our ad targeting. Yeah. So you know, um, your data, like in programmatic advertising, you have these data. Uh, you use the word. I have no idea what it is. By the way, what oh, is it? Program. What? Oh, programmatic advertising. Explain it real quick, because I have no oh, okay. Idea. So basically, there's two types of. Uh, there's two strategies to advertise right. or two, let's say, avenues. So the first one that most people know is network advertising. Mm-hmm. That's Instagram, Facebook, gotcha. Uber, also Uber ads, whatever you want to do. Um, Google ads, you know, whatever. But then there's another way to do ads, which is programmatic. And programmatic, you are plugging in to this like global exchange. It's, anyways, it's like a little bit weird. Gotcha. But essentially, there's a global exchange for ads, right? That are ads that run outside of those networks that I mentioned. So it's like you'll basically get them when you're browsing the web. It'll pop up. It's like a video or like an image. And it'll click through, you know, like a call to action, blah, blah. You've seen them. You think you you haven't, but you've seen them all the time. And now that I've told you about it, no, I'm to see you when see seen them, them all the time. Like now you're going to notice all the time. But um, it's called programmatic. And how you do it. It's the same, you know, it's it's an ad as an ad as an ad, right? Yeah. But in this, it, how you how they get distributed and disseminated is through this global ad exchange. So you have a you have a global ad exchange that has two sides. On one side you have bidders who are people who want ad space. You know? Mm-hmm. For example, you could want ad space for your podcast. You could say, yo, I have this URL, I want to run ads here. For this URL. Mm-hmm. Or on the other side, you have publishers who are people who are selling their ads. I have ads. I need somewhere to put them. I have not ads, but I have space. I have blocks of space. Yeah, so I can I can use this to run your ads. So there's this bilateral exchange, right? It's it's just like a normal exchange. Yeah. Publishers, bidders, and then if you want to plug in, you need a something called demand side platform. Mm -hmm. If you want to buy ads and if you want to sell ads you need the supply side platform gotcha and how that it's basically like an it's almost like an api yeah it's a you know it's like a pipe it plugs into that exchange insertion point you can bid up 
buy, sell, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, terrible. What do we deep off? That's a good question. I just learned what ads, what what the oh, that yeah, programmed ads were about, and how. Oh, we, programmatic. Yeah, we learned yeah. about that. Yeah. Talking about advertisement then. Yeah. You guys want to talk about ordinals? ordinals? Yeah, we can hit ordinals. Or, ordinals. Yeah, ordinals sounds good. Yeah, ordinals fine. Well, whatever we were gonna talk about, we uh, learned about ads instead. No, no, I think uh, it was he was gonna say something about the ads. Uh, yeah. Programmatic ads. Uh, programmatic advertising. Yeah, uh, we talked and about then, it. And then you asked, oh, I need to break it down. So I feel like there was probably a thought that you had, but I don't know where you're going with it. So I. Yeah, yeah, there was something we were talking about um, before ads. I okay. took it on a tangent, my bad. Well, I asked the question. Um, I, I needed to know. Hmm. What was it? Was it. It's fine. Ethereum, software development. But uh, what do you. Let's talk about ordinals. Yeah, yeah it, it, it doesn't matter. It makes more sense. What do you guys think about them? Fun, they're fun stuff. I think. Fun. Uh, what's what's the rage now? That Pepe's. Yeah. Those are all the rage. Yeah, but Pepe's are also an Ethereum. I found out the other day. I went to. A yeah, they they got big on Ethereum first, actually, yeah. before Ordinals. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was like 20, 2019. Yeah, a lot of people don't. A lot of people, this party that I went to, mm-hmm. didn't know that Pepe's originated on Counterparty. All right. Yeah. I don't know that either. What's up? What do you mean counterparty? You guys know counterparty? I don't know what counterparty is. So basically, um, counterparty launched right before Ethereum, like Mm -hmm. four months before Ethereum. And it was like the... So back in like 2011? um, A little later in that. 2012? Something like that. I forget when Ethereum launched, to be honest. I think it was 2012. Wow. So long ago, man. That's crazy. Yeah. But um, so Pepe's were on Counterparty. Yeah, and well, Counterparty was okay. So let me explain Counterparty. So Counterparty is a is the only 2015. Yeah, that makes oh, more okay. sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a full five years after BTC. No wonder Maxis were so mad. They were like, "Fuck! Like it's been five <laughs> years. Like how dare you?" Yeah. But um, but yeah. So Counterparty is this coin. It's it's an exchange. <laughs> Okay. Um, it, they they refer to themselves as the only fair launch. Um, because how they launched, so different. So in order to get counterparty XCP as a ticker symbol, you had to sacrifice Bitcoin. So you had to send your Bitcoin to a burn address. Interesting. That's the only way you got counterparty. No market. Nobody gave it to you. It wasn't available anywhere. You had to burn your Bitcoin. Counterparty still holds value now? Yeah, it does. However, interesting you say that, that you mentioned the word value, because what do you think happened to that, like, to that pair? Let's call it the XCP BTC pair. All the all the BTC that you burnt mm-hmm. to get your counterparty, all the BTC went up in price. BTC went up in price because yes. it was BTC. Correct. No, no, no. I mean, not because of the burn. Okay. Just because you'd rather just hold on to the BTC. That's what I'm saying. So in order to get counterparty, you had to sacrifice BTC. But that BTC that you sacrificed went up in price. All mm-hmm. the BTC went up in price. So you sacrificed an asset that went up. Okay. And counterparty went down. <laughs> so if you had 10 BTC... Now that 10 BTC might have been worth a thousand bucks. Now it's worth 20. 
counterparty, whatever you got it at, now is worth half. So, in order to get into counterparty, you had to sacrifice, you know. An asset that was going up in value for a... Well, at that time, you didn't know it was going to go up, though. Or... So I guess here's, here's I guess right like if you did you wouldn't have done that right right that's, here's, that's the here's thing about counterparty so and now mentioned value the value is through the dumpster you know now you want to now if that was you you might want to kill yourself <laughs> yeah I'm not saying you should but you know yeah, it, yeah that yeah. sucks yeah because you got this coin that you know it's a fair launch you can't get it anywhere else it's it's not it's technically technically counterparty is not a shit coin because yeah. Of the launch, the launch. If you if you think about it, it's fair. There's no ICO, there's no pre mine. The only way to get it is through sacrificing your BTC that you're never gonna see again. It doesn't. It, it that, that BTC you sacrifice doesn't go to a to like a whale or like a creator's it address. Went to a burned wallet. Yeah, it it, it was totally discarded. What's like the governance for um like the consensus mechanism for counterparty? Counterparty. Yeah, because I feel like in a fixed supply. Um, like Bitcoin, if you were to give up something for that fixed supply, it would. It's, I think what they were trying to go for with that would be like a backing, like counterpart would be backed by the Bitcoin that you. The which, launch, yeah, is backed. the launch, yeah, in a way, uh huh, yeah, that's what they went to. That's but, what they say, yeah, exactly. Um, that's, their, that's their mo. You you kind of lose the, like the benefits that the Bitcoin blockchain provides you. Yeah, well, doing let so. me let me tell you what Counterparty specializes in. So basically what they do, they're they're an NFT exchange. NFTs on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even know this. Okay. A lot of people, a, lo- heard, okay. a lot of ordinal people don't even know this exists. You're starting they, to They know ordinals on true. BTC, right? But the the original, the actual NFTs on Bitcoin are Counterparty. Why? Because Counterparty stamps a hash to the actual BTC blockchain. Each so what? each NFT each, each on, blockchain each NFT on Counterparty. Okay, gets, has a hash. They stamp a hash on the BTC chain. I see on the actual chain. On the actual chain. Now ordinals do a similar thing, but it's not on the native chain. It's on the SegWit. Mm-hmm. So it's on the so BTC native has. I mean, a lot of people get mad. It's all the same, right? But the native is four megabytes. Mm-hmm. That's the block, block size, size limit, right? Mm-hmm. They they limited the block size. They did that, mm-hmm. right? And so then they added SegWit, which is another four megabytes. So what side of the block <laughs> block war are you? Do you want bigger blocks or smaller blocks? Um, That's a tough question, man. That's a really tough question. Mm-hmm. Because um, like on one side with bigger blocks, you get more transactions, mm-hmm. um, easier to move money. Like it, like Bitcoin will theoretically work more as money. Like it's easier to send stuff. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it by limiting. I think uh, by limiting the block size, I think you discard the the user's money. Correct. But now you have use as gold, which is even better. I think. As a, a it could be more important reserve currency. Well, since it's already so limited, yeah. use as money is not gonna. It doesn't work either. That's what I always thought. You know, that's that's what I always said. So Segwit gave paved the way for like, extra extra four megabytes. So but, more transactions. Uh huh. Higher oh, throughput. What I was getting into was the, the Lightning Network. Correct. Right? Which is um, was it Carrot? Is it uh, the update? I, I'm not very sure, but okay. with a Lightning Network. I don't know if you ever use a Lightning node. I haven't no. set. I haven't set it up now. But basically, when you're using Lightning, you have to fund that channel. Mm-hmm. You know, 
So prior to transacting, you have to provide that channel with funding. the funding to execute the transactions, the transactions that you yeah. want to execute. Yeah, so it's like, a, it's like a smaller contract um, for, the, for the blockchain so yep. that anyone using that contract would, could interact with each other. Yeah, exactly. And the one problem, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't say it's a problem. A lot of people do. Is that it's similar to mining in that whoever creates the coolest channels or the best channels, the biggest mm-hmm. channels with the most liquidity, that's what that's what the best channel is, is the channel with the most funds, right? Because everybody can get in there of course. and inter- interact. Um, so it creates, in, in, I mean... It's like cherry picking almost because like every system in the world is like this. You know, if you're a really rich person, you have a lot of people around you, right? Yeah. You know, so that's that's how it works. Like if you are really hot girl, you're going to have a lot of people who want to. Around you. And that's the same thing with Lightning. Who is funding the, the best, best channels? Network. Blockstream. Um, X, Y, and Z. Centralized parties, centralized parties are the good are guys funding the channels, yeah. and me as a smaller guy, I cannot. You can't compete. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna say no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna participate in your channel. I'm gonna do my own. I'm just gonna transact with like four different people. I'm just gonna go ahead and use that because cheaper fees, right? Kind of like the banks. You yeah. Are, you, everyone wants to go to the bigger banks because your money's safer there versus Correct. regional banks. Uh, Correct. Like, ah, yeah, makes sense. So that's that's the. I'm not saying it's bad. You know, that's just a point of contention. Enlightening. It's like it creates a, a fee market, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, which which is the same as mining. You know, you're not going to mine in your, you're not going to solo mine. Mm-hmm. You can, you, you can, you can just, just but you never win. No, you know, yeah, no, right, yeah. It's, it's, very, it's almost it's just very unlikely. You, it's it's, it's like almost w- impossible. It's like winning the lottery nine times. <laughs> All right, then. So, <laughs> so you're going to throw away money. Yeah, okay. correct. So you're essentially throwing away your money in the garbage. Exactly. Um, so and like, so where do all the miners go? To the pool, so the biggest pools, right? Yeah, yeah the biggest pools because that's the one with the, the highest likelihood of winning. Correct. But then the the issue with that would be centralization. But there's also another reason why they go to the, those big pools: overhead. Because yeah. if I set up like an operation, two million dollars. Yeah, and I have to buy coolant coolers, like fans, yeah, yeah, set it up, motherboard. Security. I have to pay people to be there with guns because if not, your you go. can go in there and steal it. You know, so yeah. I have to pay for overhead, like know-how, like separation between the miners is also important. You can't put them like this. That's to be a separation. Yeah, uh, there's like space that's depending required. on the airflow. So there's it's a like, lot of issues. There's yeah. right. engineering it's a goes lot into of overhead. It. Yeah. Not only hardware, but also know-how and also network. So mm-hmm. that's why it's all centralized. Mining is all in China, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, per se, it's just a it's just a nature of the of the business, you know. It's what comes with uh, scaling. Correct. Essentially. Correct. Exactly. And if you think about why Mastercard and Visa process the most payments, because they have a central server, they all do it in one server. Yeah. So they're gonna process the most. You know, it's like Solana. Why does Solana? Well, Solana is the only blockchain that can do uh, uh, algorithmic. Uh, trading, trading, because they they can do they can reach that point one second finality. Because it's a, such a small group. Yeah, it's seven it's seven computers doing the whole thing. You yeah. Know? So that's why it doesn't work as a blockchain. And that oh yeah so randomly that reminds me of what you told me earlier. 
um, why would you use a blockchain? I think you said that, right? You're, you're saying, why would you use a blockchain, blah, blah. Uh, oh, because uh, AI, that, like, that's yeah, the topic like, that we yeah. were looking at before. AI and blockchain, mm -hmm. how is that going to interact? Yeah, and the, the freedoms yeah, that we did, stripped did, away, did, yeah. blah, blah. And so I want to make a comment about that. Um, and the, the only reason that I would use a blockchain is for only one reason, censorship resistance. Yeah. You know, if you don't want other people involved in your business, like if you don't want to like beg other people for money, for money back, mm -hmm. to transact for permission, well, that's what you, you use a blockchain to eliminate that friction. But now they're using it for other things, you know, so yeah, Celsius, like BlockFi, stuff like that. Uh, ordinals also. So. so now getting back to the ordinals because mm -hmm. we're that's what we we're trying to go to. Yeah. So that's like the opposite of censorship resistance, right? In terms of like you're using it for something, you're using the Bitcoin blockchain for something that's like mm -hmm. totally unnecessary in in my in my estimation. Uh, but go ahead, go ahead. I, no, I, I have a counterpoint go ahead, to man. that. Go for it. I didn't even say. I was just trying to get back there. No, because like because <laughs> the, the specifically the same that you said about like ordinals being contrary to the fact of being censorship resistance um yeah well actually i might not have the full information but why why do you say that why do you say that it's contrary yeah, to that I, I know so basically in my estimation the only purpose of a blockchain is censorship resistance mm -hmm. but then with ordinals it's basically a case of a lot of people paying up essentially they're bidding up that blockchain space mm -hmm. to include jpegs correct svgs mm -hmm. and so you're saying oh like people have this you know if you can do whatever they want yeah they can but haven't we had this narrative of sound money and like it's like the only hard money we have so basically and it's, it's so we have to protect the space on the chain right that's, so that's how i see it like we have, it's like this chain is being used to protect us from centralized entities but now people are bidding up that space that's so valuable to for include JPEGs. things for JPEGs. Yeah, or and you can say, silly, well, who are JPEGs. you to say JPEGs are valuable? But I'm, listen, so like I'd rather not have I a see JPEG. The argument. I'd rather be sad to not have a JPEG in my possession mm -hmm. than not being able to send or receive money whenever I want to. So I mean, that's, my my point of view. I'm not saying you have you're completely valid with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I think what the ordinals introduces is giving value to uh, or de uh, uh, censorship resistance to history. Um, being able to upload an image onto the block at a specific time and point, point in time, a block that's immutable will prove, especially one that's on a blockchain, over time, yeah. this document exists on the chain. So it'll be like for history's sake, uh, a point in which like the information was sealed at that time and point there's very little like uh interpretation needed for that it's kind of like the only that's the only reason i have one ordinal yeah it's yeah, literally yeah. a picture of yeah. just, i want i wanted to upload a picture myself that's cool the boys yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool um, the, the only oh, go ahead sorry no, no you're good, good all i was gonna say to that is um why not just put a hash or like a stamp 
you know i'm just saying like, like, like that, how... that gives you very very similar guarantees mm-hmm. in terms of historical uh true immutability because well but yeah that's that would be my the i would re- say like why not just put a hash instead mm-hmm. of the whole thing you know instead of taking up space on the on the chain itself yeah because you could hash images mm-hmm. i kind of lean towards that side too that's what ethereum does yeah mm-hmm. um all the data availability is done off chain and then they just put a stamp of that on chain yeah, so when you see an nft on ethereum it's not actually on ethereum it's, it's actually just a. It's pointing towards. It's a pointing. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the argument they give with the with the NFTs themselves. They're like, oh, it's not really saved on the Ethereum network. It's just a stamp on it. Correct. Which if it, that points to this database online. Online, right? exactly. Right. Well, that's the thing. This database. What's what's the like the insurance that that database is going to exist in the future? That's a good question. So good having question, it yeah. on the chain itself, that. Less friction, ch- yeah, th- yeah. But then it does yeah. go to the his his point about it being sound money. It takes that away, correct? Well, yeah. So that does it that, because that's like pretty big deal, you know. It does take it away. Uh, to me, it, it maybe it doesn't take it away completely, but it does make it. It cheapens it a little bit. You can say that. Why does it cheapen it? Because now you can include things that are not essential, and it's taking up what would be considered your sound money your freedom of moving at the, at the end of the day it's just an inscription on a satoshi yes the, the intrinsic value behind so I, the the bitcoin you can say that now because there's not enough people using it the more people that do adapt it and do get on it there are more people using the chain so yeah. your tra- your same transaction for that one bitcoin that you want to send him instead of taking 10 20 minutes can take a day so we lose the ability of sending money at the speed in which we want to a little bit at least it yeah. that i mean I said a day just giving a number. Maybe right? I could ask you. Yeah, exactly. Um, would you would you sacrifice your ability to send and receive money whenever you want for ordinals to exist and ha- and give those people a chance to express themselves? That's the real question, I think. Because you know, because you could do the same thing on. I mean, on ETH, you could do any NFT, you know, or Solana or whatever it is, but. So I guess the issue, the issue that you're addressing with the ordinals is that because this image exists on the blockchain, uh, the size that it takes up within the that block is bigger. Right? Yeah, it's it's essentially it's taking up space that's not reserved for transactions, mm-hmm. for like monetary. Well, I guess like a JPEG can be monetary. Right, if it's worth a million or whatever. I mean, but having a JPEG of the Constitution. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's like that's why I think the thing is, what's going to be JPEG and how many people are JPEGing? Right now, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't feel it now because it's just a, as scale grows. That's why I think where the issue really gets bigger. But what if we get like a like an attack on it? You know, it's like yeah. we're gonna fucking. So these hashes that are being placed on the Bitcoin network using that uh other chain what was it called counterparty counterparty Mm -hmm. uh it takes up space Uh, very little mm -hmm. there be like you know let's say 10 kilobytes each okay that's like the average size of a a stamp smaller than what it would be if it was done on the actual chain itself correct much smaller so because as you know a, a, a jpeg can have a lot of definition yeah so it carries more weight you know so i'm for let's say for ordinals, mm-hmm. the 
the picture that JPEG that gets uploaded, that takes up more space, um, and yes. it's attached to that specific Satoshi. Yes. That's correct. Like one spe- anytime you transfer that one Satoshi, it's gonna have it's the whole yeah. the whole ordinal on it. There's mm-hmm. no hashing of that Satoshi's like the transaction. Like you can't reference it. Nope. At least, okay. That's an yeah. Ethereum. That's how Ethereum does their NFTs. Okay, I see. So whenever you see an NFT on Ethereum, it's a reference to a JPEG that is held elsewhere. Let's say, ideally, IPFS, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like a global database. Um, or... I see, yeah, because if, I mean... ETH storage. I don't know if you guys have heard about ETH storage, but it's pretty big. I haven't. I don't mean to switch the conversation all of a sudden, mm-hmm. but yeah. I, just, I thought about databases. Yeah, of course. Decentralized and, databases. Uh, decentralized databases. And uh, so you guys know about ENS. Yeah. yeah. So that's that does away with the ending, right? But there's still another piece to that puzzle. If you want to decentralize domains, and it is the lead. So the www. Mm-hmm. World Wide Web. Yeah. So... They came out with this uh, ERC standard, um, Ethereum improvement proposal that became a standard now. Uh, it's 4824, I believe. Mm-hmm. You can check it out, ERC 4824. And it's a smart contract call from a smart contract to a URL. So basically, that does away with domains. That does away with, you know, I can. ICANN is the company, it's a decentralized company that, a decentralized organization that owns the .com, the .net. That like uh, deals with the issuance of it and the administration of all the... Correct. The administration. Domains. Yeah, right. exactly. So now, um, with it's called Web3 URL. You can check it out if you want. Web3 URL. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, ERC4824. So it's a it's a protocol that enables calling a smart contract mm-hmm. from a URL or calling URL from a smart contract. So what does that do? It does away with DNS. So now you can have, um, let's say, Web three dot Alexander dot ETH. Mm-hmm. No need for www, no need for .com or .net. So it's, you know, pretty decentralized. Okay. Um, what, what does that have to do with, um, nothing to do with ordinals, right? No. Nothing. nothing. Okay. It's just, it's just, just talking about, about the database. Yeah. It's just, okay. you just got to be thinking about storage. where are you storing these things. Uh-huh. And like a, for... It's like a URL, but and for, you know, decentralized And for platform. those, the, where you store it would be on ETH storage, mm-hmm. which is this protocol. ETH storage is similar to IPFS, I believe. In that it's a, it's a global database that's like decentralized, you know. But that's it. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. So okay, cool. I think it's been a fun conversation so far. It's uh, been the big, it's funnest. You are, I think you're officially be the longest podcast we've had. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, great, man. I really enjoyed myself. Running on like about seventy-seven minutes. So that's cool. What's that? Seventy-seven? Yeah, it's not that long so actually. Yeah. We've had it's an hour and twenty. Right, no, an hour, something like uh, that. Yeah, almost an hour twenty. That's almost an hour twenty. Are you sure it's that short? That's I feel like it was way longer than that. Yeah, I know it's been a very engaging conversation. Good, good information. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys well, won't be the longest podcast, it. and I take that back. No, next time. I thought 
I feel like we've been talking way longer than that. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Oh, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Yeah. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, so. right. It's a good time. Anything to promote? Any socials? Any anything? No, not really. No. All right. Cool. No projects. Um, I mean, if you need help developing an app or a Web three application, you can call me. You know. But other than that, not really shilling anything. For sure. Okay. Cool. We'll cool. leave an email of anything. Something. Cool. Thank you guys for joining us on another Thanks week. Again. Fun week. Of sometimes crypto. The Unscripted Crypto Podcast. Uh,